Hear the word of God from Acts chapter 2. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Waypoint. Probably because it stayed up here. That wasn't a very long passage. Um, And I picked the passage, so I knew that. But anyway, well, my name is Ben Uthie. As I said, I serve as a pastoral intern here at the church, and I get the privilege of bringing the word to you guys this morning, so excited to do that. I want to begin with a question. I always like to start, you know, with a little, little something to get you thinking. Has there ever been a time in your life when there was something that you knew was coming, but you still felt unprepared for it? So it, it wasn't unexpected, right? But maybe it was something you were studying for, maybe something you were training for. But whenever it was, that thing happens, you kind of go, oh man, I, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Right, so maybe it was a, a new job you applied for and on your resume, maybe you, you know, embellished a little bit, right? And you, you go in that first week and you're like, all right, I, okay, I guess I'm doing this. Could I do this? Um, I know for my wife, Lacey and I, it was when we had our first kid, our daughter, Ruth, you know, by God's grace, we had nine months to prepare, right? Like we, we knew this was coming uh, by his grace. We were going to be parents, have a child. But still, there's that moment when you, you know, they say, hey, you can, you can leave. And, you know, as a first-time parent, you're like, do I have to? Could stick around for a little bit. You guys are great, you know. The food at the hospital was actually really good. Um, but anyway, that, like, there's that moment when you kind of go, this is happening. Okay, like, we have to put her in the car and drive home. We, we, like, we're, we're parents now, Okay. So that was it for us. I share that because that is, I think, a really good picture for the context of Acts chapter 2, 41 through 47. What do I mean by that? Jesus has told his followers time and time again, I'm leaving. I'm going to prepare a place for you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of evil men. He told them time and time again, I won't be here. But Acts chapter 2 is the put the baby in the car and drive home from the hospital moment, okay? He has lived, died, resurrected, and now he's really gone. He's not resurrected twice. You know, he's, he's really gone, and now the disciples are supposed to do this thing that he's called them to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of this, how do we now do that without him? We, we were doing it before, but he was there, and now we're supposed to continue on this message without him. And so I share that because I think this passage is an awesome picture of gospel community, which is what we want to talk about today. And really, you can make the argument, this is the first gospel community, the first community after, again, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And and that's just what we want to harp on today as we kind of go through this four-week 
series on kind of who is Waypoint, what, what do we value, and one of the things that we really value and want to be true of our church is gospel community. So I thought, well, let's look at the first one. <laughs> that, 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 that would be a pretty good place to start. What marked them, what was true of them, and how can that you know, have some hopefully overlap to what we're doing here in 2023? So it really got three questions for us today. One, what is gospel community? So let's define that. Let's get on the same page about that. Two, why do you need it? And then three, again, how is this happening at Waypoint? Like in 2023 in Durham and Chapel Hill, how are we doing these things that happened 2000s of years ago? So to begin, what is gospel community? Well, the text that we had read summarized it really well. And I think it can be kind of broken down into two things. This early gospel community, Acts 2, 42 through 47, they were committed to following God together and they had a sacrificial commitment to one another. I think that's a good summary of the passage. Committed to following God together, but also a sacrificial commitment to one another, to the community itself. So to begin, they were committed to following God together. Did you notice the first four words from verse 42? I don't know if we have it up or not. But it says, perfect. And they devoted themselves. The NIV here does not say, and the apostles dragged them by the ear. Okay? They devoted themselves And if you go 41, I don't think I have this on the slide, but it's 3,000 people came to know the Lord. So so think about it. It makes sense. There are these new followers of Jesus who have understood, okay, my my life is now changed by this gospel message I've heard. How now do I live? What what, what am I supposed to do now? I've heard this message of Jesus and it's totally changed me. So it makes sense that they were committed, right? They were devoted to how do I now live in this community and live a life transformed by the gospel? I don't know how to do that. So I should probably be all into this community and figuring out how to actually do that. But I also love how it just starts with that idea of before we even get too deep into talking about community or even talking about the passage, I love how the Bible acknowledges from the jump. It's not going to be easy. They devoted themselves. The Greek word for devoted is actually persist or persevere, which I don't have to persist in eating a cookout milkshake. Okay. I mean, it's big. So. To some degree, you do. But it's not a challenge, right? I want to do that. It, you know, you, you don't have to struggle in things you don't want to do, right? So again, I think it's awesome that as we're talking about gospel community, it's going to be a challenge. You're going to have to persist. You're going to have to persevere. I think it's good to just say that as we get going, that the things I'm going to call you today to, they're not easy, but they're worth it, okay? So what were they devoted to? They were committed. Cool. What were they committed to? Well, it says many things. It says things like the apostles' teaching, uh, breaking of bread, praying together, going to the temple together. And really, this can kind of be broken down, I think, into two different uh, areas. There's a spiritual element to what they were committed to, which is probably what you think of when you hear community or Christian community. You probably think of some of the things. But then there's also a non-spiritual element to what they were committed to, which maybe you don't typically associate with Christian community. So the spiritual element. Yes, they went to church together. They prayed. They heard the apostles teach about the teachings of Jesus. They shared the Lord's Supper together. Again, these are kind of probably what you think of if you have any sort of, you know, church background or, you know, when you hear Christian community, those are probably the things that kind of trigger in your brain very quickly. But I want to call attention to how does it seem like they did those things? And I already gave you the answer and, you know, one of the points. 
together. You can't read 42 through 47 and not come away with a very clear understanding. They were doing all of these things together, which I think is challenging if we're honest for us in America because we're just a very individualistic culture, society. And this bleeds over into our spirituality. Don't believe me? How many times have you heard questions like this? How's your relationship with God? What is God calling you to? What are your spiritual gifts? What is your investment for the kingdom? How how are you going to be a part of what God's doing here? These questions aren't bad. I'm not dogging them. I'm not saying we shouldn't, you know, ask them or something like that. But do you notice how all of those, you, 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 and I'm just saying in this society, in this time, there would have been much more of an emphasis on the community, us. What is God calling us to do? How can we be at work in what the Lord is doing? In the, and again, just in, in our day and culture, it's a little kind of hard for us to be like, I kind of think about my spirituality or my faith as kind of my thing, which again, I'm not saying is wrong or bad, but I think there should be an element of with the body together. So for example, how is this happening at Waypoint? We do things like a Bible in a year reading plan. So we, you know, we always send it out at the beginning of the year and we have lunches, I believe once a quarter. So, you know, four throughout the year where we can come together as a church body and say, hey, you're reading Ezekiel, I'm reading Ezekiel. Are you confused? Because I'm confused. Okay, let's get together and talk about it and share a meal. Like, how did you understand this passage, right? So again, it's this idea of like, you can read the Bible on your own. That's great, do it. But also have this element of come together with God's people and say, how are you understanding this, right? We're doing a prayer walk later today after the second service. Again, things like that. Like, hey, you can pray for the college campus on your own, you know, in your, in your prayer closet at your house. But you can also pray with God's people, get, get together and just go walk and pray. And obviously we do things like worship services on Sunday, right? Um, so we, we want there to be this together element of our faith. It's kind of this idea of if we're all going in the same direction to the Lord, why don't we go together? Why, 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 why should there just be this very, hey, I'm going here. Well, so am I. Okay, you stay over there. You know, it's like, let's, let's go together. Um, But there's also a non-spiritual element to what this early gospel community, this church was doing. So they ate food together, okay, in people's houses. And they didn't have microwaves or Instapots, you know. It, It took a little bit to make a meal, right? And also there was a lot of walking going on, right? It says that they went to the temple together. They were just going around the city together. Again, they're not driving. There's a lot of just kind of, we're just walking. We're hanging out. We're talking about life. They pray together, which you don't have to be a scholar to figure out. They probably share prayer requests, you know. Uh, So again, there's just very much this, you're just spending time with people. You're just talking to them. You're kind of structuring your life in such a way where you say, let's do this together. Let's do this with one another. So hear me say this, because Waypoint, I think this is where we might need some encouragement. There can be totally unspiritual normal things you do with people in this room that are really important to gospel community. Some of you might be going, huh? Totally just normal, not flashy, will never make the church's Instagram page, you know, mundane things. But it's important to gospel community. 
Thank you. Why is that? Because when this room becomes people that you actually trust, that you can actually be vulnerable with, that you can actually bear burdens with, that's when we can, man, really start living as the Lord's called us to live. But if this room is just, I see you on Sunday and I'll say, hi, you know, and that's all it is, you know, there's just going to be a certain limit on what that relationship can really look like. But again, how, 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 do you, how do you get there, right? Like, like, how do you develop deeper relationships and trust and vulnerability? Time, shared interaction, just continually hanging out with people, right? It's not difficult in the sense of to figure out, but it's hard because it requires patience, it requires trust, it requires vulnerability, and those things don't come easy. So again, hear me say, gospel community there's certainly a huge element that's just that. That's just committed to saying, I want to live my life in such a way where I invite people into what we're doing and doing it together versus just saying, this is what I'm doing. Maybe I'll see you Sunday. You know, um, that's just a different way to approach your life. It's a, it's a different way to approach church um, and community. So second, they had a they were committed to following God together, but second, they had a sacrificial commitment to one another. Okay, and the text says this idea of they were selling anything that they had to people in the community who were in need. So again, like, the, the text is pretty radical here. It's this idea of, hey, if we're all a part of the same faith family, if we're all a part of the same gospel community, and you're in need, and I can meet that need with something the Lord has blessed me with, why would I not meet that need? It just... I, like, like you're, you're a part of my community. You're a part of my family. How, why, why would I not do that for you if I could do that for you? Now, granted, the church does get much, much bigger, and it becomes a little impractical. And we even see, like, later on, like, they appoint, you know, people that to help with specific needs within the church. But don't miss the heart of what's happening here in the early gospel community. It's this idea of we're a family. It, it's not just, again, this individual, well, this is what I have with my family and you know, good luck, you know, for you. It's this just other-centeredness of going, who's in need in my community? Has God equipped me to be able to help them? Can, can, can I help them? And I think here it's definitely two things. It's material, kind of physical needs. So I think that's clearly going on in the passage. But also I think spiritual needs, right? So I think, think about it in, in the sense of if you were to come to the community and say, hey, you know, for example, my kids need some clothes, you know. That's, that's humbling, right? Because you're having to come and be honest and say, I'm in need. I need some help. But also, there's a spiritual element of, can you come to the community and say, I'm struggling in my faith. I'm doubting. Things are hard right now. That's challenging, right? And this is where... I can get, you know, on my, on my soapbox. I'm not going to get on it too much here. Because I think Waypoint, I think it's an incredible church. I think we got a lot of really, really encouraging things going on here. So I'm not saying this is happening here a ton. But I think it's worth mentioning. Because I think there can be this culture in Christianity of, I'm a Christian. So I'm supposed to always just smile. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Everything's great. God loves me, you know. And it's like, that, you know, I understand why you would say that, you know, but I think there's also this element of you can be messy. You, like if you're struggling, if you're doubting, bring that here to the community. 
don't come into this room and kind of think you have to fake it till you make it and be like, everything's fine, we're doing great. And then you leave this space and you actually are honest with other people, right? Then that's your community. This is in your community, right? And then in that way, like, let this church meet spiritual needs. So don't, don't just come in and act like everything's fine, I'm doing great, and your marriage is falling apart. That's not community. It's a charade. I don't want to play charades. I want gospel community. And that requires, again, vulnerability, trust, people you feel like you can actually say those things to. Not going to be easy to get there. But guys, that's Christian community. That's gospel community. So how have I seen community impact my life at Waypoint? Well, so my family started coming here in July of 2021. And we had our second child, Roman, in August of 2021. So what that means is I think we came to Waypoint twice in July, I believe, maybe. And so anyway, we have Roman. He's great, you know. And uh, we had a meal train set up where some friends were delivering food and whatnot. And I don't, I don't imagine we came much in August, you know, because we had a newborn. But I'll never forget, there was one day someone knocked on our door. I opened the door. I don't recognize this person. But they seem friendly enough. You know, I'm like, okay, it's fine. And they have, they have a bunch of food. I'm like, okay, good signs. Um, and, you know, I let her into our house. And eventually, you know, she breaks the ice and is like, I go to Waypoint. I was like, oh, we, I, I guess we go there. Yeah, like, like we, we've been twice. You know, that's probably where we're going to go when our life settles down a little bit. But she had heard we had, a, we had a child. She had heard we had a meal train. And I don't even know the logistics. I imagine she reached out to Pastor Danny or someone. But she found our address. <laughs> she signed up for a meal train and she brought us some food. I didn't know who this person was. We did introductions in my doorway. But I think that's an incredible picture of she just heard, you're part of our community. You guys need some food. Right at the time, we had a 13-month-old Ruth, and then Roman was a newborn. So you better believe we we needed some help. Okay, <laughs> we needed some food, and you know, just somebody that was different than a crying baby. You know, it was nice. Um, but I cannot tell you what the sermon series was in the summer of 2021. I can't tell you much about those first couple of experiences I had—July, August, September, whatever—of 2021. I will never forget that. I will never forget, I'm brand new to this community. You made me a meal, found my address, drove here. Just because we, we go to the same church. We're, we're part of the same family. That spoke wonders to me. So that's community. Why do you need it, right? We live in an interesting day and age. You can live stream you know, a church in England if you want. You can podcast your favorite pastor who's out in California, and you can listen to your favorite worship set from, uh, you know, a church in Norway. I don't know. Where, wherever. All over the world. I was about to say one country, and I was like, ah, let me say another one. But community is interesting in our day and age because there's this kind of belief of, maybe I don't need to go to church. Right? Like, I have the Bible. I have the Holy Spirit. I know about this priesthood of all believers thing. Like, like, I don't need to show up to the church, right? And sadly, there's a lot of examples out there where churches have done 
bad things so people kind of have a, maybe a bad reputation of church. So they're just kind of like, I'm just going to buy my Bible, live in my house, never leave. I don't need it. So why do you need community? Well, two reasons I would put before you. One, you have a real enemy. And two, community is God's design. You have a real enemy. Community is God's design. So I want to read 1 Peter 5.8. And I, I want you guys to do something, you know, a, a, a little different with me. Because most of you are probably familiar with this passage. If you're not, you're in a good spot. Because I really want you to think about what if this were true? And not in the sense of you're like, oh, well, it's the Bible. Of course it's true. But in the sense of like, man, actually hear it with fresh ears. Actually look at these words and imagine, I, I actually want to functionally live my life as if this is true and not just something I've heard, you know, time in and time out. Okay. First Peter 5.8. Be sober minded. Be watchful. Why? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You can't read that and then come to the conclusion, sounds like a solo thing. I got him. Let's do it. I ran track in high school. I'm fast, right? But if we're honest with ourselves, some of us kind of functionally live like that. Some of you functionally are a little bit like I ran track in high school and I want to be like, you jumping in the lion's exhibit at the zoo? You feel good about that? And all right, now I'm, I'm going a little too far. But what I mean is, I, I think a lot of times we underestimate Satan, who he is, and we overestimate ourselves. We think, I got it. I'm strong. I, you know, whatever you kind of think your credentials are in your head. And again, it's like, do you, do you believe that? Do you believe you have an enemy prowling around seeking someone to devour? I didn't have to pass my Greek too, uh, you know, at seminary to know prowling around and seeking. Those are active, ongoing verbs, right? Like this is not like a, what, this is a daily battle you're in. And think about it like this. If you're in, you know, I've, I've never personally been a lion before. But if I was, and I saw pray over here by itself, or pray over here with 200, 300 people, which one am I going after? Going this way, right? Because look, this one over here, you might have your back turned. You might not see the lion coming. You might not hear the lion coming. But if I'm over here with my two or 300 other people, I got people that are saying, hey, whoa, 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 we gotta get out of here. There's a lion, right? But I, I, I might not have seen it, but I have the community around me to warn me, right? Or maybe all the community is like, hey, let's go. We got 300. Let's, you know, let's charge them. Um, probably not. Um, <laughs> but again, it's, it's that picture of if you're in community, you're going to be more aware of, that seems off. Or are you really doing okay? It seems like something's going on. We have a real enemy. Second. We need community because it's God's design. Lauren says this all the time and it's so good. It's set up to be a group project, our faith. The Christian life is a grouped project. So Hebrews 3, 12 through 14 says this. This is a hard passage, but it's, 
I think one we need. Take, and this is written to Christians, okay? So know that. Take care, brothers or sisters, Christians, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. I don't want that, okay? Go to verse 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if we hold firm our original confidence to the end. Translation, you need people in your life or sin will harden you. Did you notice how it said it? The deceitfulness of sin. So here's what's terrifying. You will think sin's not harder than you. You'll be deceived. You'll think, I ran track in high school. I'm fine. And you're not going to understand what's really happening in your life. And I love this idea of exhorting. I've heard an example before of, because we don't really use that word a ton, or at least I don't, maybe you do. Um, but like, like, what does that look like? And I've heard it likened to, you know, a, a parent who, you know, their son or daughter is about to play a baseball, softball game, and they're in the stands, and, you know, their son or daughter is about to go up to bat or whatever. And they're just like, hey, come on, let's go. You know, my son's Roman. Let's go, Roman. Come on, Roman. And they're, they're, they're not batting themselves, right? They're not saying, hello, I choose to bat in Roman's place, actually. You know, I know this is for four-year-olds, but, you know, let's go. Um, but it's you saying, I can't do it for you, but I'm cheering you on. I'm here. I'm saying, let's go. You got this. You can do this. I believe in you. The Christian life is supposed to be like that. Meaning, I can't fight your sin for you. I can't, you know, help you to just, I can't make you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But I can be in the stands encouraging you, it's worth it. Keep going. Keep trusting the Lord. I know it's hard. I know, I, I, I know that temptation that's hard for you to overcome. Keep going. He's worthy. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So I would encourage you. Do you have people in your life like that? Who are your exhorters? And are you an exhorter? <laughs> do you have people in your life that you're clapping in the stands going, you got this. You can do this. Let's trust the Lord together. This is no small thing, Waypoint Church. It's no small thing. So I worked in college ministry for eight years formally. I still do to some degree, but I was on staff for the college ministry. And I can tell you, one of the most heartbreaking things about that was, it was, you know, ebbs and flows, but I was able to see students put faith in Christ, have their lives transformed, but I also was a part of seeing students walk away from the faith and say, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. Every single time I can tell you, in my experience, they always left community before they left Christ. Every time. What I mean by that is they would distance themselves a little bit. Maybe they stopped showing up to Bible study. Maybe they stopped showing up to our weekly gathering. Maybe they started ducking, you know, lunches with me or whatever, which is fine. I'm not offended, you know, whatever. But I, maybe I run into that person a year or two later. I say, man, I'm, I'm not a Christian anymore. It didn't surprise me. It broke my heart. It didn't surprise me because of everything I just told you guys. Because I knew they left the community I was a part of, and they didn't plug into another one. And I had very little confidence that they were going to continue this on their own because they're not meant to. So all that to say, if you're thinking, 
I don't really need community. Don't be deceived. Please. And I'll be honest, this is a struggle for me. You can ask my wife. I'm a super type A organized Google calendar, not a spontaneous guy. And I have two toddlers and I'm in seminary and I have a full-time job. AKA, I'm busy, right? I don't have much margin in my life. So when I do have margin in my life, I want to just hang out with people I already know, you know? <laughs> like, it's challenging to be like, and even though I just gave the sermon on community, right? <laughs> like, even though I know all these things, it's hard for me to still be like, man, where can I fit this in? Like, what time can this work? It's challenging. I just want to acknowledge that. I'm not saying it's super easy, but we need it. And I think about even like a positive example of community in my life. On a scale of, you know, zero to 100 of risk taker, I'm a negative 44, okay? I do not take risks. What's safe? What's simple? Let's just do that. You know, that's my MO. So when it came to, I felt like God was calling me to go to seminary, to maybe pastor a church one day. I felt like that is what the Lord called me to. And I felt like that for years. But you know what I did about it? Nothing, really. Because it was scary, right? It was a risk. So I needed people in my life, mainly my wife, um, and other people who were like, enroll in seminary. What are you doing? Like, let's do something, you know? And like, I can guarantee you, I would not be here about to graduate seminary in a pastoral role at this church, if not for community in my life encouraging me and saying, I see this in you. Let's go. Come on. Trust the Lord. Sign up for a class. Figure it out, man. And so all that to say, you need community. You're not above it. So to close, gospel-centered community, what is it? Well, they follow God together, and they're sacrificially committed to one another. It's God's grace he gives you people to do the Christian life with. And here at Waypoint, what's the main way we want this to happen? You don't have to be too smart to figure it out. Community groups, okay? There's a reason they're not called small groups. They're called community groups because we want you to experience community in them, okay? What happens in a community group? I've never been to one. Acts 2, 42 through 47. That's what happens. So you might eat a meal together. You might pray together. You might just hang out, share some life together. But some element of a long, slow process of let's trust one another. Let's be vulnerable together. Let's grow with the Lord together. Let's actually share what's going on in our lives. Let's not play charades. Let's be an authentic, gospel-centered community and allow the Lord to really work in us. We're having a community group fair September 10th, so if you're not a part of one, please get connected. Get connected to one. Talk to one of our pastors. We would love for you to get connected. And on top of that, I would just encourage each and every one of you, just reach out to people you know in this church. Reach out to faces you know, faces you don't know, and just connect. Grab coffee. Get lunch. Say something to them, right? And just trust what the Lord can do in that relationship through a long, slow process over time. Let me pray for us. God, I pray that you would help this room to be community. Pray that you would help this room to be a genuine gospel community. That you would help them to love one another, care for one another, trust one another. And God, that you would just use the people in this room to accomplish your purposes. And pray that you would help us to trust you in just the mundane, it's not glamorous, it's hard, uh, but just patient relationship building. That's a part of community. Pray that you would be glorified and pray that you would use this church to do many amazing things and that one of the reasons people come is because of the community. That's that in Jesus' name. Amen.